0: This programme was produced at and first aired on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand on air. Kapai Erarangi NPR. MPR.
1: G'day and welcome to Manawatu Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews, and uh, the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Two People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Two Metal, Metal Heads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to have four interviews. First off we're going to be talking to Mark Thomas from the band Infinity Ritual. Uh, then we have a talk with Emma from the band Guapa. Um, and then we're going to be talking with... Uh, we have Stevie D from the band Buck Cherry. And we also talked to Richard West from the band Threshold. So first off, though, we're going to be talking to Mark Thomas from the band Infinity Ritual. They're playing Palmy this weekend. Uh, got a national, uh, a nation, uh, North Island tour going on at the moment. Um, here's their f- uh, first single that they released off their latest EP. And this is the track, I'm Gone. And then we'll get into the interview with Mark we we'll We're talking with Mark Tom- Thomas from the band Infinity Ritual. They've just released their first EP uh, back in July, um, and they're about to head out on a North Island tour. Um, how are you going today, Mark?
2: Very good, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, mate, absolutely. Pleased you do. So first off, could you tell us a little about this tour you're about to kick off with? Um, you're going to be playing with the likes of uh, Head Like a
2: Hole and Bullet Belt and a few other goodies. Yes, it's, it's all happening all at once. Uh, we haven't actually played outside of New Plymouth before, so the, the gig that's coming up on Saturday is the first out of New Plymouth gig, and it's in Palmerston North with um, the Gatekeepers and Old Man Pine, which is really exciting. And then the following week we're playing in Wellington with uh, Bullet Belt and Body Siege. And then the week after that it's the Tattoo Festival in New Plymouth with um, Head like Holes on the Bill and One Bad Weekend. So, yeah. And then a few more gigs in town, and then we're doing um, – Hamilton and Auckland in December with uh, Broke and Ots and a few other bands. So, yeah, it suddenly got really busy.
1: Oh, mate, that's absolutely fantastic. Have you guys been gigging much um, up there in New Plymouth?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been sort of every month or so. Um, it's sort of, we kicked it off, um, I think mid-last year was our first gig, and sort of every month or two after that something's cropped up and and, you know, each time there's more and more people there and more people get to know the songs and, you know, they seem to like it. So we're looking forward to seeing what uh, people outside of New Plimer think of it, which hopefully they like it. We'll soon find oh. out. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed, mate. Now, you
1: guys got some good product there. So um, first off, you, you released the, the first song, I'm Gone, uh, before you released the EP. Could you tell us a little bit about that song?
2: Um, that song was the, I think the first song we ever wrote or jammed. I think we actually came up with that on the first ever jam we did, which was I think June or July, 2020. Um, so we just, I started playing some beat and the next thing Adam's doing that riff and it was there. Um, so it's, that was the first song we ever wrote and and the way that the songs are on that EP, it's pretty much an order of when we wrote them and how it, how it came about. But, uh, yeah, so I'm gone. It's, it's a little bit different to the sort of stuff we're doing now, but it's people really love it and it's got a real, you know, groove to it and big riffs, and that's what this band's all about. So, yeah, we're pretty proud of it.
1: Excellent. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you a little bit about the progression through the EP because it seems to, I mean, in my mind, it seems to be getting heavier
2: and heavier as you go. Uh, just what yeah. I like to hear. Yeah, well, that that's pretty much what happened. So, that, I mean, that first song, you know, was sort of, um, just finding our feet and, and figuring out what we wanted to do, and, and that was a really good start. And then, yeah, so from then on, it's just got heavier and heavier, and, and the, the most recent stuff we're doing, it's it's quite doomy and, and you know, full-on, And but, you know, well, those songs on the EP, Magic 8, the second song, you can sort of tell it's, it's, it's got some Black Sabbath stuff going on, and then it gets a bit thrashy, and um, underneath, got that syncopated beat going on. And Berserk is just this big sort of, I don't know, war march type thing, uh, you know, real heavy, big riff, big sort of doomy, scary song. And, you know, we, I think that's what's happened with the band. It's just progressed since we first started and, and we're just all bringing different things to it now and we'll see where it goes. Oh, mate, that's
1: absolutely brilliant, dude. So could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process? I mean, how do you guys work? I mean, you said, that talking about that, I'm gone, you say you were sitting there sort of jamming out ideas. Is that how you guys work? Or do you come yeah, together yeah. with stuff yeah. already
2: prepared? Or how do you work? Generally, generally, it's from jams, especially that that, that EP. It's been pretty much just jamming at, at practice. We, we set up our gear in, in my shop at Vinyl Countdown in the record shop. And we, we jam there and practice there. Um. so yeah that, that first EP come from that I mean Adam generally comes up with some riffs like we were in, in a chat thing on Facebook where we'll send riffs back and forth and just ideas and bounce things off and then when we get to practice we've got a bit of an idea of what we're starting off with but yeah generally it just evolves at, at band practice and Jason will suggest something I'll suggest something I'll come up with some different beat and next thing it all changes And but it does take a fair bit of time like that, that EP was the best part of a year's worth of just hashing it out, you know. Um, and by the time we got into the studio, we pretty much knew what we were doing with it. Yeah, no, but that—that's the process. Nothing too, uh nothing too strict. But and Adam writes all the lyrics, and he comes in with the words, and so yeah, it's all working quite well. Excellent.
1: So, uh, did you record it locally, or did you have to head off to Auckland or anything like that?
2: Now, there's a studio out at um, Oakura called Rhythm Ace, and this guy, Sam Johnson, out there, he, um, he's he got quite a long history of, of recording music and producing and, and playing in bands for, over in England, and he shifted over here, I think, around 10 years ago and decided to set up a studio, and he's got heaps of really old-school analog gear, and he's a real gear nut, and there's, like it's full of this amazing stuff, you know, vintage stuff. Um and he's converted the bottom of his house to a studio and a lot of bands are going out there to record and, you know, the rates are really reasonable, but he he, he puts the real effort into getting the sound you want. And he hadn't recorded many bands like this before. Like uh, it's been a lot of uh, singer songwriters and, um, you know, sort of poppy stuff, I, I suppose, a bit of reggae and that. But when we went out there and said, this is what we're trying to achieve, we're trying to capture What we do live, really, and and in your face, just a a wall of noise, and just what we do live, and but he's done it really well. Like when we first turned up there the first day with the, you know, the bass amp, and and you know we didn't record the the bass with Jason sitting in the control room with a DI. He was in the room with it full ball with mics in front of it. You know, it wasn't. It's really old school the way we did it. And same with the amps. You know, Adam's in there cranking right in front standing in front of the amp so you can feel them hitting you so yeah and he managed to to really capture the whole way the band is live in that studio which is cool and also he was really um open to heaps of ideas like we suggest something like at the very start of berserker there's a, a sound like this we wanted it to sound like a big war march and we wanted a bell to sort of bring it all in and um I guess a lot of bands might use a sample or a keyboard or something, but Jason said, "No, nah, he bought in this massive truck tire rim, and we hung it hung it off a um, horizontal ladder, and I smashed it with a mallet, and so that's the noise right at the start. And it, thankfully, it was all in tune. But um, <laughs> yeah, we we, we we tried to do it all really authentically, you know. Oh man, that sounds <laughs>
1: like a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> oh, that was awesome, man. And, and as I say, Sam really. As soon as you had an idea, he, he had the microphones out. He was doing it, you know. Um, my son, Jackson, he was there. He, he'd finished school, and he came out for the last few recording sessions that we did, and uh, he'd been learning to play the keyboard for a year or so. And at the end of Magic 8, we, I said, oh, we need to have something here just to add some something weird or something dynamic. And uh, so we said, oh, let's get out the old Moog synthesizer that he had sitting there. The next thing, Jackson's playing that, and Sam's playing it, and, that's what you hear at the end of that song, you know. So there was lots of sort of experimentation going on as well as having, the you know, the songs there as well.
1: Oh, mate, that's mm. absolutely epic. That's what you want in an experience too, isn't it? It's sort of like you know, help evolve the music as it goes along.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we wanted it to be really sort of recorded in an old school way and, and sound authentic and sound big. And, you know, so I think we've hopefully got that happening.
1: Oh, mate, well, you definitely got a nice big sound day. It's absolutely brilliant, mate. In your face, it, it's, it's really cool. Uh, it's, it's a yeah. good album. And you guys seem to be getting um, quite a bit of notice quite quickly. You know, people, are, you got some articles written on you and all that sort of stuff already.
2: Yeah, that's quite exciting. You know, I guess the more that we get out there and play and the more people who see it and hear it, um, the more that'll happen, you know. Um uh, it's hard to know how to get it out there like you you think uh once it's on spotify everyone's going to hear it but it's not that easy you know you've got to have people telling other people or trying it on radio or um, it's whatever you can do but we have worked pretty hard to you know to to get the word out there and pitch it to stations and um you know keep this the, the marketing going on facebook and instagram and whatever we can do to to make it happen, and I, I guess having owning a record shop helps because I can sell it through there, and <laughs> you, know, you know, getting the t-shirts printed so that people have got something to buy at gigs, and yeah,
1: said, there's yeah, a lot of fun. stuff going behind the scenes, isn't
2: there? Yeah, man, and and I think um, with this band, it's quite cool because we've all we all bring really different things to it, and it all works quite well as a team. Like um, Jason, the bass player, is a <clears throat> gear nut you know he's he's an engineer he knows all about the gear and how it works and all that stuff so that's really sorted and adam's a really good networking guy so he's always meeting people and talking about stuff and 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 you know following things up and, and new opportunities coming and i'm more of a working things out logistics you know business you know so all together it sort of comes together quite well
1: Oh, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you need all of that as part of the the band, don't you? You know, it's all yeah, got to yeah. work right. Otherwise, you know, your band ain't going to stay together.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and the main thing is that we all have a lot of fun with it. You know, there's no egos in it. It's just, you know, we've we've managed to find people who want to play the same sort of music and uh, um and get on really well. And it's all it's a good laugh as well as being, you know, good music. Oh, that's epic, man. I mean, there seems to be a
1: resurgence of the um, sort of the Stone of Doom type music in New Zealand at the moment. Um, I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic to see bands like Beast Wars and Earth Tongue and all that sort of, you know, getting some recognition. And, and band, people are starting to love that sort of stuff. It's fantastic.
2: It is good, man. Um, you know, it's sort of a... 10 years ago, that all that stone stoner rock and stuff was pretty big and it seemed to go away and now it's coming back and, and there seems to be a, a growing scene in New Plymouth with a whole lot of just new bands cropping up all over the place. I think it, it's been helped a lot by, we've got a new venue here called 8 Ball, which um, he's, he's bringing a lot of bands through and has given original bands somewhere to actually play on a decent stage with a decent PA and um, that was missing for quite a few years. So that certainly helped, but yeah, the scene in New Zealand's great, and we're just hoping that getting out there and playing some of these bands might happen to see us and think, oh, we'll put them on a bill, and next thing you don't know where it's going to head. Exactly, mate.
1: <laughs> mm. that's, a, yeah. that's the beauty of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, New mm. Plymouth has always had a pretty good scene, though. I mean, they've had a long history of some, some good stuff coming
2: out of there. Oh, absolutely. You know, going right back to Sticky Filth and all that stuff. But, you know, for the last probably five years, there hasn't been a – there was a a place called the Basement Bar that was here for a while. That was really good. I to remember me. going to that. Yeah, and then Decanter um, the had a few gigs, but then nothing's just it wasn't a space for a crowd of a hundred or two hundred. You know, it was it wasn't there. So now that Eight Balls there, um, you know, it's been a bit of a game changer, really. Excellent. Yeah, so, uh, mm. I mean, there's
1: still a lot of bands. I mean, out there. I mean, like there was all uh, Nigel and all his lot. You know, Nigel Toxic oh, all yeah. that, level. they've always got something going. You know, I'm a Hit was you know, a huge deal back in the
2: day. Yeah, well, I never actually got to go to I'm a Hit, but people always tell me about it and reference it and talk about Brian Wafer, and I see Brian quite a lot still, and and I see Nigel all the time too. He's, he's still doing heaps of stuff, and he's repressing records that, from the Toxic Avengers and 1080 and all that at the moment. He's still really active in the scene, and he's coming in tomorrow to buy records, you know, he's, he's, he's always there. So yeah, he's done a lot of work too. And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it, it does seem to have a bit of a buzz about it at the moment.
1: <clears throat> oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. That's exactly what we want to hear. <laughs> mm. so, can you Tell us about, a little bit about the formats that you guys released. Tonight? I mean, it was obviously stuff like Spotify and CD, but getting it pressed on vinyl. I mean, that's something pretty cool and quite unique.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's always been one of my dreams to have something released on vinyl myself. You know, running a record shop—it's one of those things you'd always want to do. Yeah. um, Yeah. So we we did we put on Spotify, put on YouTube, and all those things, and then got the CDs made up at Stebbings. But the thing with the vinyl—it's a hell of a long process, and and it's one of those things you've got to really get it right. So it's all been mastered in different ways for all the different formats it got mastered by chris chetland who used to well he owns cog which is a they do all lots of good mastering in new zealand um so he did that and um and then it got sent to a guy at telegraph mastering in portland in the us and he's the one who actually cut the lacquer which that's the first process so that's really important because he's the guy that in real time cuts the actual lacquer that gets made into a, um, a stamper. So he, he, he's got to get everything right to, to make it sound good. So we, he, he actually made a video of a little bit of him doing it, which was cool. So after that, it got sent to England, which they made it into these pressing stampers. And then it got sent to Holiday Records in Auckland, which they, they then pressed it onto the vinyl, which was the initial run was coloured vinyl, 150 copies. Um, and then they've all gone and now we've just got a repress of on black vinyl just so we can have something to bring around on this tour. Mm. Excellent.
1: Mate. So how many of the black did you get printed?
2: Um, 150 as well. So yeah, it's all, um, <laughs> it, it's quite amazing how, how we've sold out of that colored one. And, and, and in doing so like we, we did a launch night at, um, at the shop on July, whatever it was. And, uh, and we managed to sell quite a few on that night and through that week, and we got on the chart. So we managed to get number five on the New Zealand chart and then <clears throat> number 17 on the proper national chart. So and that's in amongst all these bloody international bands like, or stars like Harry Styles and all that. You know, seeing our thing in the middle of that was quite funny.
1: Oh, mate, it's epic, eh? I mean, it's pretty special. I mean, it must have been, you know, something that, you know, you take, sort of cut it out and show to your kids and, your um, grandkids yeah, went in later
2: on. <laughs> you know, yeah, to make the charts, I mean, it was only for one week. I mean, you've got to be selling a lot to stay in the charts for a while, but it was Just cool. to get to in the bloody charts, mate. <laughs> quite amazing, especially that sort of music too, you know.
1: Exactly, yeah. man. I mean, it's not very often you hear of anything like that happening here in New Zealand.
2: No, no, it was cool.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe the likes of Alien Weaponry, if you're lucky, or something like that, maybe Push Push back in the day. I remember Trippin' yeah. made a big deal at the time, but, yeah, dude, that's going back.
2: <laughs> I think I think the thing, too, is these days, you know, with all the streaming, when you actually sell physical product, I think in terms of the charts, it counts for more. So when you're selling, like, 50 or 60 records, it, it counts for a hell of a lot. So we were lucky yeah. in that way.
1: Well, yeah. that's it. I mean, I mean, how much physical product have the bands sell nowadays? I mean, it must be,
2: yeah, pretty difficult to gauge, um, yeah. yeah, especially. Well, it's a for, lot of effort, man, and it and it's really expensive. Like the whole process of pressing the record took three or four months to to get all that shit happening, and then to have um, you know, holiday records they were backlogged with things they had to press. And yeah, so it was a long process, and um, but it was worth it. Like it's what we wanted to do, and it, we all put our mo- own money into it. There was no funding from anybody, so. Um. You know, next time, hopefully, we we might try and get something from New Zealand on air or something. But <clears throat> you have to tick so many criteria to actually get funding that it's it's almost geared that you know, only bands that have already made it get the funding. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: It's quite a um, difficult um, sort of experience out there, especially for bands trying to make it. I mean, even things like getting on uh, line-ups like Homegrown and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, mm. it's very, very difficult to get onto something like that. I mean, you find was um, something like Homegrown; they just about have the same bands every single year. You know, it changes mm. maybe once every three or four years. You'll get somebody different on the rock stage, but you know, um, mm. it must be difficult to and sort of uh, to find a way through past that. I guess doing your own tours sort of makes a big difference.
2: Yeah, you got to break through somehow, and I think you just got to get in front of people. You know, you, you can send all the emails you like and all the links to your songs you like, but unless you've actually proven you can actually play in front of people, then, you know, what's the point? So, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see, see what happens, and hopefully someone sees us, and you never know.
1: All right, well, I mean, you're getting out there with some pretty big bands that likes of uh, Bullet Belt and Head Like a Hole, you know. Um, those mm. guys will teach you a lesson or two. Especially yeah, Bullet yeah. Belt. Steve from Bullet Belt, oh, mate, he's epic, man.
2: Yeah, I've known him for years. I used to work with him at Real Groovy in Wellington. Oh, of
1: course, and, yeah.
2: yeah, mate. yeah that, 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 that's how um, this whole gig came about. He, he messaged me and said, hey, do you guys want to come down and do this? And He actually came he, – he saw us at a gig up here last year, I think it was, and um, late last year. It wasn't the best gig. It was only our second gig, and it was, wasn't a very good sound system and all that stuff, but I guess he must have seen something. But I think he's been following – Following ever since what we've been doing, and and he thinks you know we can fit on that bill, and I think we should do all right. Oh mate, you'll do epic, man!
1: It'll be a yeah. fun night for you. Yeah, it will be. Good. Yeah, well that's it. I mean, and, and half the thing about you know playing a, a, a gig is you want to between the different bands, you want some dynamics. You don't want it just to be like black metal all night. You know, <laughs> you want it yeah, some, yeah. some new interesting bands for the punters to check out as well. Yeah, no, that's cool. Can't wait. Awesome, mate. So um, mm. going back to the music and all that sort of stuff, um, what would be your first memory of music and, and, and some of your musical influences?
2: Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> first memory of music, well, I think for me it was probably, it's almost the first memory of anything, was putting on a, uh, the Beatles' Obla Bada Obla Da single on my parents' stereo, you know, when I was probably about four yeah you know i've I've been right into it for that long and um and I think there was i've been hitting you know pretending to play the drums since I was a bloody infant um but I only really started playing them properly when I was halfway through high school <clears throat> um and at about the same time I, I got started to collect records like my parents shifted my the family stereo into my room and they bought me that Beatles blue box set for Christmas on vinyl, and from then on, it's just been – that's what I do. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, like, influences and in that, um, I mean, I, I like so many different styles of music and, you know, from, from the classic stuff like Credence and the Beatles and the Yellow and um, Led Zeppelin and all that, uh, right ac ACDC, and then the heavier stuff I really love. White Zombie and Pantera and um, Metallica, and um, Mastodon and Danzig, you know. Um, and then you cross it with everything else I like. I guess there's influences everywhere. But in terms of like drummers, um, favorite drummers would be people like um, Jim Keltner and, and Ringo and um, Doug Clifford from Credence. And then you mix that together with Lars and Vinnie Paul and you know, that's what you get. So, yeah, in this band, I, I really like that sort of groove. That, that's the main thing for me is the music's got to have some sort of groove to it. And uh, I love that White Zombie Astro Creep album. It's got that real groove underneath everything. Yeah. And that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm aiming at with this. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. Well, we've only got a few minutes left with you, so um, I'll wrap it up. Um, first okay. off, um, new material Um, you guys writing any new stuff
2: yeah we've got studio time booked in January and March next year I mean Sam's so busy he's hardly got any free time in there so we booked it a little while ago we've been writing new stuff um, for the last couple of months Um so we've got a couple of songs we'll be playing at the upcoming gigs Um we're not sure whether we've got lyrics for them yet but it doesn't really matter we'll do the songs anyway <laughs> um, yeah so I think we've got three or four or five maybe now but um and we're wondering whether we might just do another ep um we'll see what happens but uh i mean this ep we've just done is 23 minutes long it's as long as some albums out there so yeah, it is. You know, the, <laughs>
3: next,
2: the, the next one might be similar um the other exciting thing we've got happening is i don't know if you've heard of three sisters brewery um they're, they're a local brewery in our town they're making a beer with oh them. nice so we're doing a collab beer, and yeah, so that's that's should be happening in about three weeks, four weeks. So oh, excellent! Uh, just in mm.
1: time for Christmas, mate.
2: Yeah, man. So <laughs> we'll do some sort of we'll do some sort of launch down there and invite everyone along.
1: Oh, mate, that'd be absolutely brilliant! Very cool. Mm. Okay, so I've got one last question for you before we go, and okay. that is uh, words of advice for young musicians.
2: Oh, jeez. Um, Really, just just stick at it. You know, if if you really enjoy it, stick at it. Um, try and find people who thinking along the similar lines as you, and that have are um, actually um, determined. They've got you know, are willing to put in some effort, maybe some money, and, and you know, put the money where their mouth is, and you know, just just stick at it, and yeah, um, jam as much as you can. And if an opportunity comes up to play, take it.
0: If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app.
1: Welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metalheads Radio, local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two People's Radio. Okay, for this section we are talking with Emma from the band Guapa. Uh, unfortunately, because it's such a good interview and such a long interview, we don't have time to have any music, but I definitely suggest you check them out because they have some great tracks. G'day, we're talking with Emma Naslin from the band Guapa. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Galpa. Galpa. Just close <laughs> uh, they're just releasing their newest album, Myriad. Uh, on the 18th of November, so not too far away now. You must be getting fully excited.
4: Oh, yeah, a bit, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, mate. So you've released um, the three singles so far. What's been the reception that you've got so far from it? Um, I think we got a
4: good response for, for from the singles we um released so far. Yeah, yep, people yep. seem to enjoy it, and that makes us very, very happy.
1: Excellent. So you release videos alongside those; um, they're pretty out there. Did you guys um, get to get involved with the the concepts, or is that something that's brought to you before you uh, uh, by some sort of other creative team? Uh, no, uh,
4: it's it's just the uh, five of us creating music. Uh, me and the guys in the band. Uh, so it's. Our music and our uh, we've been the producers as well. We produce songs when we write them. And uh, we are in charge of, you know, the music video. Um, We have some say in that. We work with a close friend. And we also uh, decide on the artworks and so on. So we're very lucky to have signed with Nuclear Blast uh, because they give us, they don't poke around in what we do. Uh, they uh, let us uh, be <laughs> as we are.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a very important part of be you know, of being an artist, isn't it? You know, being allowed to have that um, that integrity yeah, to the... do what you want to do, rather than being dictated by you know some sort of record company that says, "Oh no, you got." <laughs> uh
4: that's what you're f- afraid of, right? And yeah. when you get the email and it's uh, a giant uh, record label who, who wants to work with you, you're always um, ah well. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> yeah. But they have been so kind to us. They've really been fantastic. We have a great team over there.
1: Oh mate, that's absolutely brilliant. And could you tell us a little bit about the the album art? Because you you got some quite uh, quite a cool um cover.
4: Yeah. Um uh, uh, it's made by a French guy called uh You, who actually made I'm pronouncing this in like a Swedish way. He's French, so he probably <laughs> pronounces it in another way, <laughs> but he made the uh, album cover art for our first EP as well. So we worked with him before and uh, the cover for the Myriad album is actually quite graphic. The Mamon. So I sent him uh, the song Mamon and uh, the lyrics, and we talked about the lyrics and um uh, it is, I've read <laughs> somewhere that the god of greed, Mammon, comes up from the underworld uh, riding on a giant wolf thing to enslave uh, humanity. <laughs> and when I thought it was cool if it uh, were a woman instead, and o- also uh, gaupa means uh, it's a dialect word from the part of Sweden where me and David comes from. So um, that means lynx. <laughs> oh,
3: okay, Yes. Yeah. So,
4: Uh, that's why we have a lot of cats. So uh, she's traveling on like a hybrid links and you see all the coins, all the money, all the greed. And she also has a portal so she can travel to different dimensions. And yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Uh, It is a very cool cover. So I I thought (laughs) I'd sort of try and delve into that a little bit. Um, So could you tell us a little bit about your your writing and recording process and and how you guys work?
4: Yeah, uh, the songs are written by all uh, five of us at all times. And I guess that is why we sound the way we do. If you come to the rehearsal pit and you have like a riff or something, uh, it's going to go in another direction when everyone else uh, uh, works on it as well uh so we jam out in the rehearsal space and uh, sometimes i record uh, we record the session with a uh, uh, uh phone <laughs> and and then i put the we put the file into uh, our drive and then i uh, go home and i download it and i put it in my home studio and i uh, work with the lyrics and harmonies and the sounds that i would like to make on the song and yeah that's one an example for uh, how how we work
1: awesome so could you tell us a little bit about how um you find the connection between the music and the lyrics that you write I mean because when the other guys are writing their music I mean they do you guys have sort of, sort of like a plan already sort of in place or I mean do you automatically have lyrics like in your head ready to go, or is it just? I mean, how do you find that connection between the music that's being created?
4: I don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And I'm no, sorry, that was a confusing question. No, no,
4: it was a brilliant question. It's just that, no, I, I, I do uh, somehow. But it just, sometimes it comes naturally uh, when we jam uh, together. It's like you say something and it's like, oh, this is a great line. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to keep this. And at other times I will sing um not real words, just made up words. Uh, So I just sort of work with uh, my instrument as any other instrument that I make music first and then I think um, it sounds kind of like these words and I work in that way. And a lot of times uh, I work uh, on a lyric uh, so the lyric is uh, almost completely done and then Uh, I put it into the song (laughs) so it varies a lot for me but it doesn't always come very easy (laughs) you have to collect (laughs) I I collect the sounds Uh, I am very interested in what sounds you can do with your voice and I'm also uh, I collect also words and like power lines and sometimes you read something or you hear something and I write it down and then I think around it and uh, yeah it's it's a
1: wiggly process (laughs) yeah that's it that's why i was trying to ask because i mean everybody does it different and yeah and everybody has different interpretations and i mean you know we all sit there and think well how does this person sort of do this and you know it's like as as i say everybody does it different um and it's just interesting to try and find out some of those ways that people do it um Mm. yeah and um because this also sort of leads into the sort of the same question, but it's slightly different, but but how does the music come to you? I mean, like you say, you might see phrases or, or, or you collect sounds or, you know, um, is, is that how it's like from other visuals or is it, you know, do you get things pop into your head just out of the blue? You know, how, how does the music come to you?
4: It's a good question. Um, I think uh... – some, sometimes um, the music are inside <laughs> you <laughs> and it mm-hmm. needs to come out. Uh, you kind of process the inner chaos <laughs> that one sometimes can have <laughs> and you put it uh, into something creative like uh, music. Uh, other people might uh, paint or take uh, photos. And uh, for me, it's uh, working with lyrics and uh, singing um, and writing music to sort of get some, I don't know, balance. <laughs> so just yep. something you need to do, like breathing, yes. but harder. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's very different. If you would ask anyone else in my band, they would have another answer. I can only answer for for me, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's it. And once again, I mean, it's something that is different for everybody. And that's why Mm -hmm. I try to ask these questions, because it's like, you know, um, people sort of wonder and and they sort of look for the, I guess, the the key to creativity and all Mm -hmm. that sort of things. And and it's, um, you know, it's very difficult to gauge how it happens for everybody. And it seems to be different. Um, But I guess it also Mm -hmm. comes, one of the things that I I like to pick up on what you were just saying is about the the release and how it's that stuff that has to come out. Yeah, you know, mm. and, and that's it. It's, it's something that you can't really contain, is it?
4: Mm. No, th- that's true. And I think uh, I know uh, uh, other guys in 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 the band as well. Uh, when we haven't been in any bands, you get sort of really depressed. You don't yeah. have, you don't, you, know, you don't have that. So I think uh, we're very lucky, of course, to be able to process. Life and um, whatever you need to into something uh, creative, and um, yeah, it, I, I guess it's very individual thing and it's very personal thing. But uh, it's, it's something you just need to do. I would say.
1: Yes, well, that's a, it's an important thing to be able to express, whether it's feelings or all those hmm. things. So you, you've got to be able to release them, otherwise you probably turn into a madman. <laughs>
4: I would believe so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's take it uh, take it back a little bit. But um, so, could you tell us a little bit about this newest album and some of the lyrical yeah. themes or some of the lyrical content that you've got on there? What, what are some of the things you're talking about?
4: Um, lyric wise, uh, yes. obviously the last track "Mamon" is sort of my pandemic on and <laughs> um, because it's uh, to me it was very clear that uh, the show must always go on uh, pandemic or no pandemic and the show in this case is the economy it was so clear to me that greed is such an important and deep-rooted part of the world and I thought about that and I was talking to, uh, to a dear friend of mine and we talked about Mamon, uh, god of greed riding up from the underworld and everything, um, enslaving humanity and mankind to uh yeah, and then I, I got to thinking um like um, it's how it's deeply rooted into our DNA, uh, survival of the strongest and everything, and also children, young children, you take someone else's toy in a playpen and it's just something you do, and it's Interesting to me. So that was one theme. Um, and then we have, for example, exoskeleton. Uh, the track exoskeleton. That was actually I read the. I read books at sometimes. <laughs> I read awesome. the Metamorphosis by Kafka. Uh, and uh, there's like a famous line in this book uh, when it tells you what is, uh, what what he is becoming, that I actually missed when I read the book so I was like very intrigued and it was like what what is this what is it becoming what why how, how is this possible and um and that got me thinking um uh, well you know if you were to split a stone open and uh, there was come some liquid inside the stone uh, and uh, it would um and and you were uh, to trans transform into a skeleton exoskeleton being I thought it might start with your nails, right? And then they would sort of grow up um, on your arms and then you would uh, be some sort of exoskeleton creature. So that was another idea (laughs) I had. So the the theme is quite different. Um, I I, I write about different things, of course. I write uh, about the world and what's happening and also some fantasy ideas i just have but i don't like to write uh, this is about exactly this because i like when people get to in and um pro- yeah that's the word thank you uh the the lyrics and for me it's about this and, uh, and for you it might be uh, about something else and i love that i like uh, uh, others uh, Poems and lyrics, when I can think this is about this, this is speaking to me, and it's clearly about this. Um, but I don't know the the one who who wrote it might have another idea. Yep. <laughs> do I make myself clear? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, no,
1: no. And, and that's the beauty of um, of music and things is that, you know, I mean, it, it's uh, the fact that each person can do it, interpret it differently. Um, yeah. And you can you can find all sorts of different meanings. I mean, one song might mean sadness to one person; it might mean hope to another. Yeah, you know, mm. and that's the beauty of music, and yeah, oh, it's, it's magic, isn't it?
4: <laughs> I like it very much uh, because you you can never know how someone else is going to um, feel or react to a piece of music because it's very personal as well. What you have for um, preference,
1: yes, so. Oh man, that's absolutely brilliant! So, what would you say would be your favourite song or the song you're most proud of of this new album?
4: I'm really proud of the whole uh, the whole album. Um, corny, I know, but I think it's a good one. <laughs> I think oh, we is. made uh, some good things. Um, it varies. If you were to talk to me tomorrow, I would say another song. And because uh, I think there are a lot of strong tracks on, on this album. Um, I like the uh, the songs on this <laughs> album, uh, but I especially like the vocal arrangements I made for uh, Raw. And um, yeah, <laughs> I remember when, when we were going to record the album and I was going to record my vocals for this song, I was really afraid that I was going to drop dead at you know any time and not be able to record the vocals because I was like, yeah, I really like to do this before I die.
3: Yeah.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Just would be a freak thing just to, you know, not be able to record it. So I'm very happy I got to do that.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Let's go. Do you
4: have a favorite track?
1: Um, well, I'm, I'm still sort of digesting it at the moment, but exoskeleton is definitely the one that sort of pinged right at the start. Um, yeah. And then now that I'm going to go back and listen to that, the Mamon track, I, I really want to go back and listen to that properly. So, um, yeah, um, <laughs> th- those two are the, the ones that stick out so far for me. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I found it, um, quite interesting. I, I liked, um, just the way that you guys, uh, how would you describe it? Um, the easiest word, and this is not meant to be a put-down, but off-kilter, if you know what I mean. Off-kilter? Well. So it, it, it's, um, it, it's its not, um, how would you put it? Off-kilter means that it's um, not run-of-the-mill. So its you've got an original sound. Um, mm. <laughs> and that's what I really liked. It was like... Because so often you sit there, you put on an album, and it might be that, oh, it's just another Lamb of God band, you know, or or another band trying to be Metallica or something like that. Um, And it's very difficult, I guess, for bands to create an original sound. Um, So, you know, and and that's what you're looking for when you want to listen to music. You want to find something that sort of sparks you inside, you know what I mean? Mm hmm Yeah. So that that was the first thing that I liked when I first heard, put on the album was that, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, this is an intriguing different sound. So, you know, it was like, yeah, and that, that's hey. what you want music. <laughs> so there we go. Um, so uh, did you guys get to do uh, – are you guys planning a, a release show or anything Um. for the album, uh, what, the 18th of November?
4: I don't think so. <laughs> no one <Okay>. killed me. <laughs> No, but we're going to play uh, first time ever in the capital of Sweden, uh, Stockholm. Uh, oh, yes. in, in December, uh, we will be playing the Fuss Festival. And I think it's the Truck Fighters <laughs> who um, sort of have this festival. So that's going to be very fun. And uh, then uh, we will go on tour next year in yep. May. We'll be traveling in Europe with Uncle Acid and the Dead Beats and Blood Ceremony, and it's something oh, nice. we're really forward to, as well. Fantastic bands, <laughs> uh, and to play outside, play shows outside of um, Scandinavia. We haven't really done that because of the pandemic and everything. That it's so weird. Suddenly everything just closed. <laughs> but uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, so we'll
4: probably we'll awesome. play some live shows. We haven't really uh we haven't really uh, fixed the show for the release. Yes. <laughs> but we will do something. I'm not sure what uh, really, but something will happen, probably on social media. Oh yeah,
1: well, that's right, you're gonna do <laughs> at least some sort of launch party or something.
4: Uh a Listening just a party or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> excellent um how's the scene over there and uh at the moment in sweden i mean like i know i've got a um, friend that's um their band's playing uh called imperial slaves they're touring with flesh Gold apocalypse at the moment mm-hmm. they're here from new zealand and they're having an absolute blast over there at the moment i think they've just they played stockholm and then i think they're just going through germany or something at the moment They're just absolutely loving it but what's the scene like over there i mean is Bands getting to play a lot now? I mean, uh, here in New Zealand, uh, we're only just starting to get going again.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of venues closed down uh, due to the pandemic, unfortunately. Uh, and also in our uh, city, where most of us live, there is not a lot of rehearsal space. Um, so uh, it's kind of hard for band, bands I would say uh, to find somewhere to to play because a lot of clubs um, in in restaurants they have like a a club once a month uh, a lot of venues uh, yeah they closed down in the pandemic so hasn't really um, it's hard to find somewhere to rehearse and it's hard to find somewhere to do your shows in Sweden. But um, I think this is something that happens uh, everywhere. Um, yes. That's been kind of hard for um, the live scene
1: <laughs> yep. due
4: to the pandemic, of
0: course.
1: Yeah, bloody pandemic. Uh, well, I mean, hopefully we can get back up and going, and, and it does seem mm-hmm. to be on a on a projection upwards again, which is fantastic, man. Because you've got to get out to those live shows, eh? Nothing beats Yeah, that. it's best. Yeah, man. And you guys <laughs> over in Sweden. Are, What's in the water there, man? You guys are always putting out great music.
4: Oh, it's a good question. In our <laughs> town, it, there is like an old mine, and uh, yep. so the water is actually a lot of uh, lakes uh, are poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> well, <that's> heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Of course, metal, copper. I think.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's <a> tragic. <laughs> oh man, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah.
4: No, but uh, I don't know. Um, it's uh, I, I think uh, a lot of good music comes from um, all around the world. It's oh, it just does. Um, and uh, if you if you play music um, somewhere, um, there is there's bound to be someone who enjoys what you do. So I guess people should just keep going. I think that's the key for most. Um, keep going, do do your thing, and yeah.
1: Excellent. Yeah, it's just—I mean, like we, uh, nuclear blast definitely picks up a lot of the Swedish artists, and uh, so mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely fantastic to see the the music coming out of there. And that's—I mean, the 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 pandemic—I mean, was a lot about greed, and there was a lot of dark shit going on. But um mm-hmm. on the other side of the coin, we're we're getting some absolutely wonderful music coming out. I mean, and people have been uh, busy creating. So I mean, there is was a positive side to it as we getting some fantastic music, <laughs>
4: and I think that's uh, that's the thing in life in general when when you have like dark periods in your life that you um, that you feel very down, um, and then and you know life happens, death and everything, you break up with people and everything, but when you have um, like a distance uh, to it, it's easier for people to create. Uh, in the aftermath of the uh, sadness so I think uh, when you have a a rough time in life uh, it sometimes you can use it later to create something
1: (laughs) oh damn straight you've got to find some sort of use for it and you've got to find something healthy and yeah uh, and that's a lot of what music's about isn't it creating all that sort of thing um so we've only got a few minutes left with you but um what would be your first recollection of music? What was it that first inspired you to become a musician and, and sing?
4: What first inspired me to become to wanting to become a singer? Uh, I watched the VHS film of the Little Mermaid, <laughs> and when she trades her voice with the sea witch uh, to get legs, she sung and. Uh, into like a seashell necklace and that was the most beautiful song I ever heard and I was like yeah I'm gonna be a singer that's yeah I want to do and she gets the guy and she gets to live happily ever after <laughs> so you know, that's all that comes naturally as well so that was the first uh, I think that made me want wanted to sing but then nothing happened uh I'm, i was never you know very talented child or anything so <laughs> you have to practice <laughs> at your craft you have to practice a lot
1: well you do but look at you now
4: yeah <laughs> exactly you know
1: people swimming the
4: world... extremely well no <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no you've done extremely well i mean how many people get to have an album out Yeah. You know? A lot of people yes. don't get to do that. So, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, we're
4: very lucky and we're, we're very um, humbled by the fact that people actually listen to what we do and take an interest. For example, that you would, would like to talk to me. I'm very honoured and, and, yeah, thankful, of course.
1: Oh, it goes both ways. We're an absolute pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> so it's both ways. Um, okay, I've got one last question before we let you go, and that is mm-hmm. uh, words of advice for young musicians
4: don't do it <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but if you if you if you believe in what you do try to keep believing in what you do uh, people will say that it's crap and they will say ah oh, you, you just want to sound like this band or that band try not to care about that and do what you believe in there is an audience for everyone it's just a matter of trying to find people who actually like what you do and I think it's easier today with social media and everything um, it's easier to get hold of songs when when we were growing up there was like you, you tried to download one song for yeah. like 24 hours and if someone yeah. picked up a bloody phone oh yes. you, have to start over, you know so today it's easier and, and, and you can <laughs> record yourself and just try to put out music yourself and just keep at it practice and keep at it that's i guess that's my best advice
0: support this show and others like it by giving a donation for more information go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate
1: And welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metal Heads Radio Local, national and international news, interviews and uh, the latest new releases Brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two People's Radio And for this section we were lucky enough to talk to Stevie D from the band Bucketiri. Uh First off we're going to kick off the track that made it famous for them with the track Lit Up And after the interview, we're going to have the other track that was uh, made them famous at the same time um, for the movies. So without further ado, here is a letter from Buckethead. (laughs) Chew. dvd from the band buck they're about to play uh, 28th of november down here in auckland before they head over to australia uh bringing down special guest fozzy as well dude you must be amped
5: yeah hey what's happening yeah fozzy um we've been out with them before good friends of ours and uh we are looking forward to being out there very soon
1: Absolutely fantastic, mate. So have you got many memories of coming down to New Zealand and playing Auckland? Because you guys have played here a few times.
5: Yeah, um, we were there um, a few years back. With uh, Weren't we there with Hardcore Superstar? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure that we we stopped there on the Steel Panther uh,
1: Fozzie Tour before that. Does that sound right? That does sound right. You guys are pretty frequent visitors down here. We're very, very lucky.
5: Yeah, yeah, we, we love it there. It's it's usually the first stop um, after the uh, the 13, 14 hour flight. So we're like we're kind of like zombies coming out and and <laughs> and rock, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, always a good time. Love it there. You guys love the rock and roll, and that's what we love.
1: Hell yeah, mate! That's what it's all about, buddy. So, um, do you have a favorite bar or a favorite place you like to visit after a show, or, or anything like that, when you come to New Zealand?
5: Um, you know, I, I, I like I said, we're we're so, uh, it's so jet lag because that's the first stop, um, and I don't know why, but uh, well, I know why. It's because the flight's so long and you're so far away that uh, that the jet lag is more intense there. So I'm <laughs> just dealing with uh staying awake and then getting you know like getting a few red bulls in me and then and just banging my head you know (laughs) it just so um but yeah it's 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 uh good fun and we love it out there
1: oh my that's absolutely fantastic mate so you guys released the the last album hellbound about a year ago now i mean how's that going
5: Uh, we, we had, uh, a a lot of success with that here in the States and also Europe, uh, in England. Um, yeah, audience seemed to connect right away. Sometimes, uh, when you release an album, it takes a, a few weeks, uh, or months to even, uh, warm up to the album. And, uh, uh, there were songs right out of the box that seemed to, uh, connect like so hot and Hellbound were uh, kind of people were already waiting for them. It seemed like, and uh, for even songs like uh, ain't wasting no more time, it seemed like it was a slower groove, but people seemed to be, you know, if they, even if they didn't know the song, they would be singing it, singing along in, 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 in the uh, theater or the arena or the club uh, by the end of the song. So uh, yeah. I I thought it was a big success for us.
1: Oh, man, that's brilliant and you've just released the the new video 54321.
5: Yeah, uh we shot that in uh Dallas, Texas and Tulsa, Oklahoma between two shows and running around on the street uh with uh handheld cameras and uh uh that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Not a, a lot of cool kids in that one.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. So um, what's it like being back out on the road? I mean, because you ha- would have had a fair amount of downtime with bloody COVID and all that sort of thing. I mean, it must be a trip being back on the road and you must be enjoying that.
5: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're so far, I think, um, at least the places we've been, we got out uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, at that point, uh, people were s- still really... Um, I don't know. You know, life had changed so drastically for a year and a half. And then we came out.
1: Oh,
5: are you there? Yeah, I'm still here, buddy. Yeah, we we came out and um, we were playing to sold out shows because people hadn't seen music in a while. And then uh, there'd be shows where they were half full because half the ticket buyers didn't. Want you know like want to risk anything? There were variants coming out that people would get concerned with. So it was a, it was a, a lot of ebb and flo- ebb and flow with uh, the audiences. Um, and there was a uh, you know we we would be out with Alice Cooper and um, you know people we would still have meet and greets and people were still. Uh, I don't know, apprehensive, maybe, um, you know, because they had been programmed, you know, to be careful, be careful, wash your hands, be careful, you know. Uh, but by the end of that year, year and a half of touring, it seemed like things had been back, uh, gotten back to normal. Um, I remember early on, people would like play their show, and the openers would play get off the stage, go back in their bus. Wow. They kind of separated and secluded. Uh, we would kind of do the same. Um, we, But there were we would go to some places where they didn't have a mask mandate. Yeah. And we would go up in their city um, wearing masks and they would be looking at us funny. <laughs>
3: you know,
5: like, why, you know, why are you wearing a mask? So, uh you know, it was a, a, a lot of new experiences, a lot of weirdness, but eventually it got back to normal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Even down here in New Zealand, it's taking a, a fair while. It's only been a few months since the mask mandates are gone, and, you know, people are still, you know, being weird. Some people are still wearing masks, and, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. I was talking to yeah. the singer from Hardcore Superstar last week, and he was saying about how, um, way back about a year or so ago, when they were playing some shows, they were having seated shows. And they, it didn't last for very long. <laughs> yeah, they they had what kind of shows? Seated, so they had to they had to have seats. Oh, oh. yeah, man, they oh, said yeah. they, they yeah. had to do about two or three of those shows, that the um the security yeah. just couldn't handle, and they people were you know were, were getting up anyway. It was just you know how do you have a seated rock and roll show, man?
5: Yeah, it's it, it's tough because people. Go start do you know like if in the beginning we had to do uh, shows where there were pods so there there was an arena and there was uh, like a, a a tall tabletop and and they were each about ten feet apart and you would show up a pod you know let's let's say five six seven people and y'all stayed right around your table and they were all. <laughs> Uh, and socially distanced all around the, the arena. And it was, uh, and there was about 20 feet from the stage to the first, you know, row of pods. And it really felt strange. <laughs> yeah. now, people, and people would scream, but that, that kind of interaction was gone. It felt like, yeah. Uh, it's weird. But anyway, we got it done and everyone had a good time in the end.
1: So. Yeah. Oh, that's it! Eh? I mean, it's so good to be back and being able to just get on amongst it now, high. Eh? <laughs> yeah,
5: I mean, th- th- I think the the shows in Australia will be uh, a, a lot smoother. You know, we we we've, we've we've already done a year and a year and a half of touring. I think the 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 uh, New Zealand and Australian audiences will. Um, uh, Welcome that live show and and be ready to like let loose and have fun, you know.
1: Oh hell yeah, buddy, mate! they just going nuts, mate. I went to a show uh, would have been last year, man, and everyone just went apeshit, man. It was it was so cool. Oh,
5: good, 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 good,
1: good. Oh yeah, mate! Everyone will go nuts, mate. So you, you'll have a ball, dude. So um, getting back into sort of touring life and all that. What what would you say is one of the essential items that you have to pack when you go out on tour? What helps keep you Uh, you insane?
5: What's in, um, I think for me, you know, like obviously you got your toilet. I, I I have this, (laughs) you know, aside from my Netflix and my, my Apple TV and, you know, like the stuff I needed to decompress after shows and actually fall asleep. uh, You know, like, those things are a staple i have um you know i i have these uh you know i have this exercise routine that uh i, I need to do uh in order to stay sane yeah uh, you know I, I i i've i've got weird things you know like people will be like oh that guy's you know so not rock and roll but <laughs> it's, it's all the things that i need to like have great oh, rock shows was- you know Oh, so, that's right. You've got to have that anyway. balance,
1: don't you, to keep the, you
5: know? Yeah, you've got to keep your sanity to, to you know, to have fun on stage, you know. Exactly, buddy. Oh. Uh, I was just trying to find a, a quiet, quiet place that I still <laughs> have signal. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, that's cool, mate. So, what anyway. would you say would be your favorite song to, to play live at the moment? What song do you get all most amped up for when you're playing a show? Uh,
5: hang on, once I'm
1: still got you, buddy.
5: Okay, I think I had another interview calling in.
1: Oh, yeah, we're, we're not too far from having to finish up though. They've still got about, yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Uh,
5: anyway, sorry, my. my... I apologize about uh, oh,
1: your, your question. Um so what would be your favorite song to play live? What's the song that gets you most excited when you're
5: a- Oh gosh. Uh you know, I I really enjoy coming out with Flat Four Three Two One, going straight into something that's been our uh our normal evening routine. As soon as I and we also have this intro music that as soon as I hear that beat that's um that's just like my my blood pressure starts to to come up, you yeah. know, and I start jumping, and um, uh, and I'm ready for five, four, three, two, one. But those uh, five, four, three, two, one into so hot is uh, the way I, I, you know, like I elevate immediately.
1: Oh mate, that's absolutely brilliant, dude. Oh i well, will be looking forward to that once you get down here. Um so what what sort of uh, music are you currently listening to? What are some of the bands that you're um got on your iPod or your Apple TV thing? Uh
5: you know, i the, the past three months have been nothing but Buck Cherry. Yeah. You know, I it's it's uh it's been writing and uh and and producing and writing that. Um there's a uh, Let's see, who 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 do I listen to leisurely? Um, you know, I, I, there uh, was what, what's that kid's name? I think it's Bailey Zimmerman. He's a country kid.
3: Okay. That,
5: uh, yeah, um, I I like. Uh, I, I've been listening to a lot of Chris Stapleton while I'm in uh, Nashville, but <laughs> you know, I I, I think that when I'm listening leisurely to music it's um you know this last uh I, I would say we were inspired by a lot of the uh big rock 80s early 90s bob rock M- lang that kind of stuff so yep. even uh, leisurely listening i would <laughs> i would listen to Def leopard and motley or metallica or um uh, even uh, Whitesnake, the John Sykes era, you know, yeah. um, just for inspiration, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a 70s and 80s baby. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, for a, a lot, a, a lot leisurely, I would listen to, you know, ACDC, Zeppelin, Hendrix, Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, you know. But this last uh, few months, uh, because I was getting inspired to do this album, a big, you know, we're going for a bigger rock kind of uh, sound. I, w- I would listen to those uh, Mutt Lang and, and uh, Bob Rock albums.
1: Oh, dude, it was definitely an era. Eh? I mean, the Dr. Feel Good, Bloody Hysteria, and the Black Album, I mean, they were some big, big, you know, it was a big time.
5: Yeah, it's a big time, you know, like the cult, Sonic Temple, yep. you know, that's that, you know, that's kind of, you know, that kind of big drum room you know driving amps gaining amps um and that's kind of you know what i was grooving on for the last few months
1: that's so, awesome so like you said you guys writing the uh, the new album already
5: yeah i mean literally we're this is we're recording at a place called sienna studios here in nashville yeah and um uh uh, the rhythm section, Francis and, and Kelly, they they hammered out their tracks already. Billy just rapped uh, late last night. Josh rapped uh, late late, or no, early the earlier today. And uh, I'm just kind of bringing up the rear with uh, all the bells and whistles that um, kind of need to go on top of all that, you know, mayhem. Oh, mate, that's
1: exciting, okay. So, is there going to be some new tracks uh, played for the new sh- for the shows coming up, or are you just going to keep that under wraps I, for a I while? I'm going to
5: keep it under wraps until we um, tour next year. Yeah, yeah. we have a few more shows uh, now in the end of the year, but we we tour next year, starting in March. Have a huge announcement in December, so uh, and we'll we'll definitely come out. Of- the the gate with uh the new album for
1: that. Oh mate, that's absolutely fantastic. Good to hear, man. I mean, because you guys normally take three to five years between albums, but it's truth, this will be only a year or two.
5: Yeah, that, it'll be it's a it'll be it'll be two years, you know.
1: By the time you get it out.
5: Bring it the year and a half mark. So it's time.
1: Oh mate, you that's guys, fantastic, man. Alright brother yeah man. Hey, anyway, we better wrap it up because you've got another interview coming up. Um, I've got uh two last questions for you. First off, um guitar related. Um, any sort of tips for guitar players? What what would be something that you wish that you knew when you first started playing that you didn't know?
5: Oh gosh. I'm a big fan of uh listening right now you know what i mean it's like reverse engineering like, yeah. like figure out what makes your favorite stuff great not only just the guitars but listen to all the instruments you know and learn how to do all those instruments you know yeah. like learn how to play bass learn how to learn how to play drums learn how to sing you know, you don't have to be great at it, but just it, when you do that, you, you learn that the inner workings um, and how they all work together in music, you know, and I, I think. And in, um, in, that's like your biggest asset as a writer, you know, I think reverse engineering songs what, make, you know, like how long does the verse go? How long does the chorus go? You know, is, is there a, a, a cool bridge and is the solo right? And, you know, how are you building the, the, the last half? What are the drums doing? Because that's the heartbeat. That's what people, you know, are 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 moving to. You know, that's what initially people are attracted to. So I would say learning about your favorite music and favorite songs um, is, is is important you know, playing, playing fast in, in your bedroom, you know, yeah. like that's, a, that's, imp, that's important, but it's not, it's it's only a fraction of the equation. If you want to do this for a living.
1: Oh, mate, that's yeah. absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, and, and it was sort of like a more broader question was, uh, yeah, what words of advice for young musicians, full stop. Yeah. Just across the board yeah well I, I would say it was more of the same of, of what I just said,
5: you know what i mean yeah. Where, you know learn learn to be musical, learn about songs, you know because that's what um you know girls don't dance the guitar solos, you it's know funny. what I mean <laughs> some do, but it's a very small fraction of uh, m- a minute percentage of uh <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: of, of of the music uh fans out there. You know? They they don't care what guitar you're playing. You know what (laughs) I mean? Only the guitar players care. Yeah, yeah. Work on on your songs. That's the biggest one. Work on your songs.
6: Change your face, girl. Change your page See a place for you and I And we can make the most of it Cause our passion never dies And if you don't believe in me I'll choose a path and change your mind And you can take me to your room Or wherever you may hide and Change your pace, girl
0: If you're enjoying this podcast in 2, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information.
1: Hey, welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metalheads Radio Local, national and international news, interviews and uh, the latest new releases Brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two People's Radio And for this section, we are talking to Richard West from the band Threshold. Once again, I gas bag way too much. So, unfortunately, there's no music to accompany this section. It is just the interview. But I think that uh, the interviews are well worth listening to the whole thing without it being edited and cut. So, uh, enjoy. Um, check out the band Threshold. they got a new album coming out. Absolutely killer, man. Enjoy the interview. Thank G'day, you. Today, we're talking with Richard West from the band Threshold. They're about to release their newest album, Dividing Lines, coming out November the 18th, Uh, album number 12. You must be uh, absolutely ecstatic. Oh, it's fantastic.
7: Yeah, I joined the band about 30 years ago, and I thought I was only joining for a week just to play a few keys. So (laughs) it's a bit of a surprise (laughs) to look back, see we've actually done 12 albums. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And one of our best, I think, really, really enjoying how we're going at the moment.
1: Oh, mate, that's absolutely fantastic. And like you say, 30 years of doing this, mate. I mean, it must be a bit of a dream come true.
7: Yeah, was well, kind of weird. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't my particular dream to do progressive metal at the beginning, but it's one of those things I've just absolutely fallen in love with. Back in the day, I think a year before I joined Threshold, I was writing pop songs for a, a little record label run by Simon Cowell uh, before he got <laughs> famous. So um, it's a radical change of direction for me, but loved every minute of it. Been great fan.
1: Oh man, that's absolutely brilliant! So you you guys have released four singles and videos so far from this um, album. How's the uh, response been so far?
7: It's funny, you know, people are loving the songs, which is great to see. Um, the first three we put out were by one was by me, one by Glenn, and one by Carl. So you kind of got the three sides of Threshold, and seems to have gone down really well. But there's just a, a band of um of resistance on the internet from some people saying, "No, nope, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen. I want to hear the whole album in one go." And I really appreciate that. You know, that used to be back in the 80s when I was just buying albums all the time when they came out. It was a really special moment, wasn't it? You just wait until that day, you'd pull off the cellophane, put the record on the record player. And it was a really almost like a religious experience to hear the new record by Queen or Genesis or whoever it was you were listening to. So good on you guys who've held out this long. You've missed out on some good singles, but I think you're going to have a, a better experience when you hear that whole album.
1: Well, that's it. You're quite right there. There is something quite unique and special about getting um, the the album, especially uh, in vinyl format. That's one of my favorites. You know, there's something special about that. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's a different experience. And I mean, are you finding, uh, I mean, a lot of bands are starting to sort of move towards this, uh, releasing just um, like EPs and all that. I mean, there's got to be some resistance to that, though, won't there?
7: Yeah, I don't really get that. I, I think if you're, Making your money from streaming Then you must be doing really well Because it's only a few bands that can Really make a living off streaming Um, So yeah, if you're someone right up at the top of the the tree I guess that's going to work for you But I think the rest of us We need to keep selling physical product Just to make sure it financially makes sense And to be honest, streaming's great But having an album in your hands is infinitely better
1: Oh, damn straight, mate I mean, you're obviously a little bit like myself I mean, I grew up in the 80s and all that In the early 70s Uh, Late 70s, sorry. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was something special about getting the vinyl, opening it up and all that sort of stuff. You can't replace that by, um, you know, just downloading a digital single. You know, it doesn't have that visual effect, doesn't have that tactile effect or anything like that. You know, it's like opening a book, you know. It's not the same as reading it on Kindle or something. eh? It's quite different.
7: Yeah, I agree. Call me a Luddite, but I haven't read anything on Kindle. I I prefer, (laughs) yeah, paper in my hands. Much nicer experience.
1: Well that's and it. it's just
7: I'm, nice to nice to get away from the screens as well occasionally. So if you're gonna have your downtime still staring at a screen, that's probably not gonna be good for you long term.
1: No, that's it. I mean i I think we're sort of part of a generation that uh, um is, is still able to do that, whereas a lot of these younger people, you know, haven't probably picked up a book in their lifetime, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the album, could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process um, that you guys went through? I mean, normally I know that it's been you and Carl, but you've talked about other people being involved with the writing process this time.
7: Yeah, really, since since back in Subsurface, back in 2004, it's been pretty much me and Carl doing all the writing. Um, but this time, um, Glenn Morgan, our old singer from back in 94, he was first with us. He came back for our last album, Legend of the Shires, uh, at that time, that album was all written, so he didn't get involved in the writing process. But he's a great songwriter, so he's written three for this new album, and they sound fantastic. One of the singles, for those who heard it, "King of Nothing" was um, written by him. Brilliant track. So, yeah, he's written three. I wrote four, and then the other three were co-writes between me and Carl. But in terms of the writing process, to be honest, it was such a long time ago. It's kind of hard to remember. We wrote the album in we wrote the album in, <laughs> in twenty twenty. And then we couldn't get into the studio until summer of 21 because of COVID and everything was, you know, shut down. So we recorded it in 21 and then we delivered it beginning of this year. And now our area is coming out at the end of this year. So it it feels like a very old album to us. So I'm I'm really looking forward to getting out and touring it next year so it can feel fresh again.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, from my understanding, you guys were just about to get out on tour before the whole COVID thing sort of kicked in. I mean, that must have been... Bit of a shock for you guys, you would have missed the touring cycle and everything. Yeah, well, we managed a
7: couple of European tours, I think we hit about 20 countries. But the 21st was going to be Australia, which was you know, in 30 years, we never got an offer to come to Australia, and then suddenly we, we had a whole tour planned. Um, so and then just as we were kind of booking our tickets and getting everything ready, backing our bags, um, COVID said no, and Australia was shut down, and the whole tour got, got cancelled. So we were absolutely devastated. You know, that would have been a, a major moment for us. So I'm really hoping it's something we can come back in the next year or two. We'll just have to wait and see. I don't know if the clubs are still open, the promoters are still in business. You know, we we just got to check all that out again. But we would love to come down.
1: Oh, mate, we'd love to have you down this way, Van. It would be absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, the, the people are starting to get back to the you know, back to the club, so to speak. And, you know, as things are starting to revolve again. It's, it's, it's really good to see it's taken a bloody long time, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same
7: same here. And it, it's been, yeah, people were really nervous to go back to shows as well, weren't they? Yeah. We, we yep. did a couple of live shows last year in the UK, uh, a couple of festivals. And, you know, they were sold out, but I think only half the people actually came because they were still nervous about coming out of their homes. So I think we're slowly getting back to normal. Yeah, It's going to take a bit of time.
1: Yeah, well, but I mean, the reception at these shows must have been absolutely nuts, mate. I mean, I know that I went to a show about two years ago and oh mate it was just actually it can't have been two years ago it must have been about a year ago and just the response was just phenomenal everyone just went ape it was awesome. hey the energy in the room yeah. everyone was just busting to, to to let loose again
7: yeah i think yeah you got that and you, everyone's just excited to be out but also grateful that we're still here and still doing yep. this you know we, we didn't we didn't know it was this ever going to come back again but so yep. so, so nice to see it back and you know, like i say really hope we'll, we'll come down to the other side of the planet one day
1: Oh mate, that would be fantastic I was talking to um, a dude from Hardcore Superstar last week And he was talking about some of the first shows they did back <clears throat> And they had to um, had to do seated shows And I mean, can you imagine for you know, some, a, a big rock band having to do seated shows Apparently they did like two shows And they had the security were trying to contain the people But they just couldn't, hey eh? It was just absolutely nuts but, I mean, Dude, a rock show seated, what the hell?
7: It's really weird, isn't it? We did one. We did one for Threshold in '97, and that's how often it happens that I can still remember that. It, it yeah. doesn't feel quite right.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weird thing. Anyway, back to the album. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the the lyrical content? I mean, is there any themes or concepts going through here, or is it just how's it?
7: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of influenced a bit by the times we're living through. You know, we we don't try to be political or you know make any divisive statements or anything despite the album being called Dividing Lines but it's (laughs) it's very much influenced by the times and um, actually interesting story we were while we were writing it we were actually going to call it The Fall of the Shires and um, (laughs) make it a full-on sequel to The Legends of the Shires I had this story written and um, so we started tailoring the songs that way so some of what you hear is kind of the offshoot of that but halfway through making it we we felt that we were writing a bit to order, and it was um you know getting a bit contrived so we 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 stopped that line of of thought and we just decided to make them just standalone songs so I think what we're left with is a what seems to be a selection of cautionary tales with a kind of a thin veil of um a possibility of redemption in them but it's it's generally a bit of a darker album I think funnily enough we actually we had an opening and a closing song for the album called the Full Part One and a full Part Two which would have set up a story and given you the ultimate redemption at the end, but we took them off because they didn't make sense if we weren't making a concept album. So you're left with a fairly dark record and certainly with a very dark ending. So I I hope the fans don't mind so much. We normally go for a slightly happier ending than that, but hey, it kind of fits, fits the times. So I hope hope it comes across okay.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think that's it. And yeah, I mean, people are sort of feeling that those dark times at the moment, so they're probably quite welcome. Um, yeah, you know we need some sort of respite from it <laughs> yeah true enough excellent so um, can you tell us a little bit about how does the music come to you when you when you're sitting there writing or preparing to write or anything like that I mean does music come to you as uh, little phrases or just little lyrics or do you hear a whole song or, or whole ideas or concepts at a time how does the music come to you personally?
7: Oh, interesting question. Um, Normally not when I'm with an instrument. Um, It's normally (laughs) those moments you're in the shower or you're in the car or just out for a walk. And sometimes it'll be a lyric or it'll be just a melody, sometimes a riff, and it soon develops very quickly into a whole song structure. And then you've got to decide at that point, do I want to save that or do I want to just drop that because it's just my thoughts for the day? And if it's one I want to continue with, I'll just keep it playing over and over in my head until it's just burned in there. I still remember stuff I wrote 30 years ago from that sort of process um and then yeah if it, if it develops and i love it then I'll, I'll go into the studio and start putting it down as the demo but yeah always in always in my head it's it's i've heard different people describe it in different ways but you you get these moments of inspiration and some people call it picking up songs off the floor of heaven it's like you've kind of gone somewhere and you found something that you almost feel like you can't attribute to yourself because it's just this amazing thing that suddenly filled your head and no one knows you know where those things come from yeah but it's beautiful yeah. moments when they happen I remember years ago I wrote the song Light in Space for our fifth album, Hypothetical. And I didn't feel like I'd written one word or one note of that song. The entire thing just kind of felt like I'd downloaded it. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And I read the lyrics at the end and I thought, wow, they're quite profound. And I didn't even know what I was writing. Yeah. It's strange. But love those moments. Love yeah, it when man. it happened.
1: <laughs> well, that's epic, yeah. And that's it. I mean, because everybody has it in different ways. And, and it's really interesting just to hear how it comes to different people and, and what sort of, how much they get, and if you know what I mean.
7: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll sit at the piano and just play with the chords and, and come up with something that way. I think when you're doing more complicated chord structures, it's um, a bit harder to hear that in your head in the same way because certain harmonics lead you in different directions when you're actually at a piano. So you get some quite special moments at a piano as well. But like I say, mostly in the head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all got to start somewhere, doesn't it?
7: absolutely yeah and it can be a long process you know some some songs can take a couple of weeks some can take a few years a man who saw through time i think i started in about 2012 or something and i eventually finished it in 2017 it just i kept going (laughs) back to it when i had more thoughts so yes yes sometimes it's a long time in the making most days of a band certainly we you hear other bands don't you that go into the studio with nothing and a month later they come out with a fully made album we just couldn't do that we we'd only have one song ready by then i think (laughs)
1: <laughs> wouldn't work for us at all <laughs> yeah it must be pretty special like you say i mean you started off one song in 2012 and you know it took you five years to finish it must be pretty special to have that i mean it must be a bit like a baby in a sense yeah you know, all that effort put into the creation and it finally sort of gives birth yeah they all
7: are and you know the thing is being in a band it's so many aspects of it are really really enjoyable but my favorite one is that moment is it's from that first little idea through to finishing the demo and sending it off to the other guys from then on, it feels like it's process, you know, but, but that for me is the magical moment. I, I just love it every time I've loved it since I was a kid and I still love doing it now.
1: Oh man, that's absolutely spectacular. So um, when you guys get out on the road and all that, do you guys write or anything or is that, uh, do you have a specific time that you set aside for writing or specific places that you set aside for that sort of thing? Or is it just use it flow go with the flow? Well,
7: yeah. I mean, to be honest, the way we all write is kind of the same way. We 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 do it on our own, so it's it's not. A, we never get in a, a room to rehearse and then start jamming and write a song from it. It's just not the way we've we're wired. Really, we're kind of individual composers. So we'll come up with our our stuff on our own. So yes, we'll write on tour. I I kind of like going for walks. I tend to find the nearest body of water next to a venue, and I'll just go and sit next to that and sit down with a you know quiet head and a maybe a pen and paper and just start having some ideas. Um, But no, not, not in the actual tour cycle. You know, you, the the tour day is kind of mapped out. You, you've got your food and your washing and your rehearsals and set up, sorry. Yeah. Set ups and then more food and then do the show. And then you're back on the bus and there's kind of not room to build in a, a whole other thing. Um, But no, I I love those moments walking quietly, you know, in the afternoon before soundcheck or something and, just collecting my thoughts. It's a it's a good moment. Written many a threshold song doing that.
1: Excellent, that's cool. So, have you guys got release shows uh, set up or anything, and, and tours uh, lined up for after November the eighteenth? Uh,
7: not release shows. We never kind of done that. I don't know why. I think when we started, our our fan base was in Germany and we weren't, so it it seemed like <laughs> cool. a long way to go for a release show. So we just never got in the habit. But interesting idea. I will put that on on my notes. Um, but our plan is to start touring next spring. So we've we've announced a festival already in Germany, and then shortly after that we'll do a European tour, and then I hope, you know, we'll we'll start conquering the world again. That's the plan.
1: <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. How hard is it to get out there at the moment? I mean, a lot of people are talking about tour buses being really, really expensive. I mean, I talked to one band and they said they didn't know anything about it. And then I was talking to another band and they were saying oh, it was just through the roof, and they were having to put uh, the plans on hold for a little bit just until the prices came down for things?
7: Uh, yeah, I don't think prices are coming down. Uh, the trouble is it's a lot of it's to do with the fuel. You know, they burn a lot of fuel, and prices over here are just ridiculous, as they are most places, I think. Yeah. So I, I've heard that somewhere between 50% and 100% more expensive than last time we toured, Yeah. and that was already one of the most expensive bits of the tour. So, yeah, makes a big difference. I think it knocks out some of the smaller venues that we would have gone to where – you didn't make a lot of money, but it was worth doing it as part of the trip. I think yeah. now you're just tipping that balance and it's not actually financially viable to do some of those smaller venues. So that'll make a difference. Um, also, half the, the tour bus companies in Europe went out of business during COVID, so it's actually harder to get a bus in the first place. Okay. So a, a lot's changed, I think, since we last did this. We've of course, being in, in Britain, we've got the added joys of Brexit. Yeah. So The extra paperwork involved is just ludicrous. They really haven't thought it through for the smaller bands I think big bands with big teams and you know armies of lawyers and tour managers and everything have got the resources to do this but for us it's just a whole mountain of extra work you you weren't expecting so yeah Yeah. the world's definitely changed but I don't want to sound negative because we get to do it again and I'm delighted so you know we'll we'll jump through whatever hoops we have to because I can't wait to get back out there.
1: Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, And you're right, with all this negativity we've had in darkness over the last few years, we've got to find some light and get out there and enjoy it again. I mean, we've got all the hope. It's all there again, so it's just a matter of getting out there, isn't it?
7: Absolutely. We're planning to embrace it to the full.
1: Oh, damn straight, mate. Um, So sticking with that whole touring thing, um, what would be the most important thing that you pack for when you head out on tour? What What is the item that helps keep your sanity when you're on the road?
7: Ah, interesting one. Um, to be honest, I hate to be boring, but it's my phone, but not, not for making phone calls so much, although of course I like to stay in touch with my wife, but it's um it's just to listen to music. I'll normally have a, an album or two on the go that I'm in the middle of developing and I've started doing demos for. So every day I'll go for a walk, first thing I'll do is listen to the latest stuff I've worked on, start building ideas on it. And I just love that moment, you know, because like I said earlier, it's my favorite thing is is writing this stuff and so yeah that's probably it it's kind of a routine in the morning I'll go for a walk and I my main mission is to hunt out the best coffee shop in the town so I can get a decent latte or something and then take that <laughs> on my walk with me find somewhere quiet buy some water listen to my music and start writing they're quite magical moments
1: excellent so when, you, when you're when you doing that are you just listening to your own music or do you listen to some other stuff for inspiration
7: no, it sounds really narcissistic, doesn't it? But yeah, I'm just listening to my own music. I don't like um, to get inspiration from other people. I, I've never wanted to be a copier. You know, when I write a song, I want to make sure it doesn't sound like anything I've ever written or anybody else has ever written. And it's kind of the threshold ethos. You know, you won't hear a threshold song and think, oh, that sounds like such and such. It's just the way we are. And I, I prefer music that way. There's a lot of copycats out there, but I don't want to be one of them.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day and they were saying the same thing about how they, they sort of made a uh, this huge effort. Every riff almost, they would sit down and say, okay, has this been done by anybody else? And, you know, I mean, it, it might seem insane, but, you know, um, it's important because, like you say, you don't want to sound like another copycat of another band. And, I mean, it's very difficult to be original, though, isn't it? Well,
7: you, you get the um the benefit of not knowing what else is out there because, you know, I think is it, 2,000 new songs a day or a week on Spotify. Oh. I can't remember. Something crazy. It's like you just don't know what's out there. So you can only go on your very small window of reference. Yes. But within that constraint, you kind of hope you've written something that doesn't sound like something else.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. So uh, release formats. Um, you guys doing uh, any special vinyls and all that sort of stuff?
7: Oh, they're beautiful. We got four different vinyls this time, which is um, crazy because some fans are saying, well, I've got to have all four. <laughs> so that's, that's dedication for you. Uh, there's two that I, I particularly love the look of. Uh, there's a, a red and black marbled effect and it's kind of similar one in orange. It just look absolutely stunning. You know, you, you, you buy music because it sounds good, but you you kind of buy music because it looks good as well these days. So I'm quite excited to see those. They haven't come back yet. So looking forward to see them when they come.
1: Oh, mate, that's it. I'm a huge fan, fan of vinyl, always have been, and the resurgence in the last few years has been absolutely brilliant, eh? especially the different variants and colours and the quality. Absolutely.
7: And I, yeah, and I hear that some people actually even play them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know a lot of people, it's just the collector's item, you know, you put it on your shelf or even in a, in a picture frame. But, but I've been surprised, you know, because uh, the last one I got back was actually from my other band, League of Lights and I made the whole thing in my studio, and I had these wonderful 24-bit original audio files and everything, and it sounded stunning. But when we got the vinyl back, it sounded even better, and I thought, that can't be. Not <laughs> not better than the original source data, but it just does something magical to the sound. It's exactly. just absolutely beautiful. So I'd always prefer to listen to vinyl before it gets crackly, of course, and then it's, then it's ruined.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, there's something special about it, and no, I don't know what it is. It's, it's almost like it's got some sort of... um presence to it or something I don't know it is something quite special it's Sort of, you can't replicate it very easily um, so that, that's pretty awesome so what would say you say would be your favourite song or the song that you're most proud of off this newest album
7: I, at the moment I'd probably go with Domino Effect it's one of the two long songs on the album um, and I just loved writing it so much that it still gives me an excitement every time I hear it It's when you write a long song you get just an opportunity to go different ways and stay there a bit longer. You know, you're not trying to keep things compact and tight. You can let the song breathe. You can go into a, a weird soft section or a weird proggy sort of effects moment. And this one does all of those things. And it, it still gives me shivers every time I hear it.
1: Oh, mate, that's absolutely epic too. Um, I was going to ask you what you were currently listening to, but um, I'm hoping it's the new threshold album. Is that what, or new music that you're writing yourself?
7: Yeah, new new music I'm writing myself. I'm I'm working on another album at the moment. So I mentioned earlier about The Fall of the Shires. We were almost in with threshold. Well, when we finished, I thought, well, I've got these two songs, The Fall Part 1 and The Fall Part 2, and I had a few other unfinished ideas. I thought, well, I really like the story I'd written. So I thought, well, I'm going to finish it just for myself. So yeah. I made an album just for myself in my downtime and called it The Fall of the Shires and gave myself an imaginary band name. I thought, well, it's it's just a private project. I'm not going to let anybody hear it. So I'll call it Oblivion Protocol. It's kind of oh, nice. protocol for this album is Oblivion. It's going nowhere, going to be heard by no one. But then, of course, life never quite works the way you think. And um, I was chatting to a friend at um, Atomic Fire Records in Germany, nice. and he asked what I was working on. And so I just mentioned it. And he said, I'll send it over. I'd love to hear it. And next thing I know, he signed me up so
1: brilliant completely
7: unexpected i've got signed a new record deal three album deal um to to release three sequels to legends of the shires as oblivion protocol i thought i kind of like the name now i'm going to keep it and the weirdest thing of all is i'm singing which i never thought would happen in my life i I sung the demos i I enjoy singing but i never thought i'd be a front man so at the age of 54 i just signed a record deal really didn't see that coming quite a surprise so I had a chat with the guys in the band, they gave me their blessing, and Carl's played a couple of solos on the record for me, and it'll come out next year. So that's currently what I'm listening to, because I'm just editing all the parts at the moment everyone sent me. I've got this great lineup of guys playing on the band on, on the album for me. So that's filling my head. So not much time to listen to other stuff.
1: <laughs> oh mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. There must be, you know. Uh, wonderful for yourself to, to be able to finally finish that beast, so to speak, you know, and finish that chapter. But I guess you've got uh, two more chapters to write now, don't you?
7: Yeah, I've started on the second one, but I'm, c- I'm kind of busy at the moment. It's it's really hard to find the time because <laughs> I also also wrote my autobiography over the last couple of years. Oh, wow. Which comes out next month. So I've a lot of time gone into that. Yes. So it's, you know, you have sometimes you have busy phases in life. Well, I've just found myself right in the middle of one of those. And loving every minute, but it's um, it's certainly filling up my time.
1: Oh, mate, that's brilliant, man. I mean, and you have to, especially with the whole COVID thing and knocking people down for the last few years. You just had to get up and do something, didn't you?
7: Yeah, and it was, it was one of those things, you know, being stuck at home. And actually, at the time, my dad was quite ill, so I was spending a lot of time at his place. And while he was sleeping, there was not much to do. And so I just started writing. Yeah. I wrote one story and then another, and before I knew it, I had the makings of a book. I I didn't realize how much I'd enjoy it. You know, it sounds like homework, saying go and write eighty thousand words, but oh, I loved it, loved every minute. And I'm just actually before you you called, um, I was just proofing the final draft of it before it goes off to the printers. So it's um,
1: so yeah. One, once we're off the call, I'll be reading all about myself. It'll be great fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's absolutely brilliant. Well, I've only got a quick moment left with you, so I've got one last question for you, and that is words of advice for young musicians.
7: Wow. Honestly, the climate's changed so much since we started. I wouldn't know where to start. You know, I'd say contrary to what people say, I'd say get a record deal because you get a record deal, you're going to get distribution, you're going to get playlisted, you're going to get doors open to you that you didn't think you'd get. So I've, I've done stuff independently and I've done stuff on labels and I would always say go with the label. You go independent. Great. You've got all you get all the money, you know, you you get all the control, but you don't get any fans because you can't get it out there. You need that massive machine that a record company provides. So get yourself a deal. That would be my first offer. Uh, secondly, just enjoy it. You know, it's not everyone gets there. And even if you do, it might not be where you thought you were going. So just enjoy your journey. It's, it's such an enjoyable journey. So don't don't get stressed along the way.